Good morning. After that, we ought to just um, say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Will the fathers stand in in the in, in room today in the sanctuary? All the fathers stand. Let's give fathers a round of applause, our appreciation, our love for what you mean to so many. Thank you very much. My name is Derek Shields, and I bring you greetings from Christ Community Church. Some of you I I met several weeks ago when I came, and and I was good to be reacquainted with you as we came through. You're such a warm and loving church. And it um, just makes me feel right at home. I told you last time I was here that I had a nephew that I invited. He was um, graduating from Alabama State, and he and his girlfriend came. And I told you then, I don't know if you remember, I said, I, you know, I'm coming to Christ Community Montgomery, and I don't know anybody, and the pastor's not here. I better bring somebody with me just in case. Well, it went so well that this Sunday I, I'm blessed to have my wife and daughter and son here with us this morning. And uh, and um, I, I didn't have to bring them because I was, you know, I was a little hesitant. I brought them because it was such a warm and rich place that I wanted them to be able to experience what I experienced here at Christ Community Church um, this Sunday. Plus, it's Father's Day. And so I'm blessed richly because uh, my uh, family decided to come with me and share this morning. So we want to uh, go quickly to the Word. Uh, I know that you are just started a series last week. What's, what's that series title? It's called what? what? What is it? Hot Topics. Hot Topics. About three of y'all said that. Maybe five. Okay. The rest of y'all, maybe y'all weren't here last week, but it's Hot Topics. And in, pa- in talking with Pastor Keith, he gave me permission not to have to follow in that model. Uh, we would have if he had asked me to, but he said, no, you be free. And, and the Lord, as I just went before the Lord, I just really felt that uh, we, we might want to talk a little bit about something connected to this whole theme of fathers that we are celebrating today. So we wanted to do that this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you will turn in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, and I'm going to ask you to just read with me a couple of scriptures, a couple of passages, just to get us started. I'm not going to ask you to read the whole thing, but just something in the beginning. In fact, it's nothing to do with what you have here on the screen. Um, I'm going to ask you to start at verse 1 in chapter 15, and if you would turn in your Bibles, let me hear the Bibles turn. Can I hear the pages turn? Anybody turning pages? In? Or if you have your app, you know, just as long as it's not Angry Birds and Facebook, you know, just use your app. But let's find chapter 15 of Luke's Gospel, verse number one. Verse number one. When you have that, if you would stand with me, please. Verses number, verse number one. We're going to read verses one through three. Now, I know we have different translations in here. Um, I would assume that we do. Um, so don't worry about that. Just read the one that you have. Let's read it loud. Let's read it with, with a passion and, and with some excitement. The Lord can interpret all of this. You know, we can do it, and he, he figures it all out. But something about corporate reading of the Word, it just blesses me and helps me get prepared to preach. So here we go. Starting at verse 1. Ready? Read. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And verse 3. So he told them this parable. Father, we just ask you now to open your word to us. Father, help us to open our hearts. Father, help me to focus and to be able to give what you have given me. Father, we pray now for your revelation. And we pray that as we leave this place this morning, we all will receive the message that you have for us and also the courage to do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you. Thank you for indulging me in that. You may have your seats. Now, uh, let's see, it's 1038. I've got to get my clock adjusted because, you know, normally at Christ Community, we preach at 11. You all start at 10, and it's already 11 over there. We usually go into about 1230. I just don't want to go too long, you know. I'll, I'll be looking at the clock back there and say, oh, it's 12 o'clock. I still got time, you know, and y'all be looking at me. Might not be anybody left, you know, so I'm going to try to try to focus on that now so I can make sure I'm, I'm, I'm keeping the time right. Now, as you notice, we're talking about the story of the prodigal father. Now you say, well, that does, that's not the way it looks in my Bible. That's not the title that it seems that it reads in my Bible. Uh, you see the scripture, Luke 15, 11 through 32. We don't, won't read the entire passage because I believe that many of us are familiar with that passage. As a matter of fact, it has been said that this is the greatest short story in the Bible, the greatest short story in all the world. This, this, this story that we find in Luke 15, 11 through 32. It's been called the greatest short story of all times, and it is a deceptively complex short story. It is one that has a lot of layers to it, different meanings that we can glean from it every time we go back to it. And I'm not going to try to exhaust all the meanings that are here in these 22 verses this morning, but I just want to point out a few important things that I believe that would speak to us this morning. First of all, if you know it as the prodigal son, or maybe you know it as the lost son, um, I believe that it's probably misnamed. And the reason why I say that is because we know that there are three important characters in this story. We have the, we have the father, and we have two different sons, two entirely different sons. Parents in the, in the house? Any parents in the house? Any parents in the house? Yeah, I ask questions from time to time. I expect to answer, okay? Are there any parents in the house? Do you have more than one child? Yeah, yeah, okay. And don't, haven't we grown to know that they are very different children? And in the case of this story that we have in the Bible, there are two very different sons. So we have a father, two different sons. The story has three parts or three scenes, if you will. There's this first scene that opens up about the renegade son. And then we go to the next scene is about the return of that son back home. And then there's a third scene that sometimes we overlook, but we won't focus on so much this morning. But that third scene is important. It's the reaction of the elder son. But the fact of the matter is that in all three sections, in all three scenes, and all throughout this story, the father plays a crucial role. So this story for this morning, I just wanted to rename the story of the prodigal father. Let's, let's, look at, let's look at the first couple of verses in this story. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, we're going to be focusing on pretty much what the father's role in the story is. That's the take we're going to take. That's why it's called the story of the prodigal father. We're going to be looking at the father, how he reacts, how he responds. How he, and we're going to do this on this particular day because I believe it's going to be encouraging to us, fathers, as we learn from the master on what it is we should be and how we should operate as a father. It's going to be encouraging to those of us who, who have fathers. And, and, and look to them and say, okay, that's what somehow, like the video was, somehow that's what was going on when, he, when they did that or they didn't do this or they said that or didn't say that. And then on the other hand, some of us, this kind of painful because our recollection of our fathers may, may, may be not so well, so good. But we can take courage, we can take hope, we can get hope because if we look to the father, to the father, he can father us even if we did not have a good experience with our father here on earth. 
Everybody with me on that? So I believe that as we go through this this morning, it's going to touch each and every one of us, no matter what context you might come in here with. Because this story about the prodigal father will speak to you in the situation where you are. Okay, but he starts with this. And, and where's the father in here? Well, the first character that we usually talk about is this son. This son, some of us relate to this son. You know, the son who, what did he do? He, 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 he said, Jesus telling the story, said the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Sounds like somebody I know. Comes up and he doesn't, you know, not a whole lot of kindness in that, not a lot of greed in that, just give me this. Something that he didn't even deserve because he was the younger son. But let's look at the father in this opening scene, if you will. It, the Bible says, Jesus said, as he told the story, he divided his property between them. Hmm. Now, I tell you, for Derek Shields, you know, I've, I've read this story many times. I've preached on this story many times. And every time I get to this part, I'm like, you know, that's just not right. He was a younger son. First of all, he just come up with abandoning stuff. Why in the world did the father just say, okay, I'm going to divide it up? Two things we need to know about that. First of all, he had something to divide. So he's a good father because he had something to divide. Because the Bible goes on and says that, so he divided the property between them. Now, if we look at history and look at the setting of this time, it, it was known that the older son was always given a double portion. So the younger son was going to get one-third of the estate. But the younger son wouldn't have gotten it. You know, and you know how it works. You don't get anything until the father dies. So in essence, the younger son was pretty much telling his father, you know, I wish you'd die. Yeah. You know, and isn't it sometimes like that when, when we get these disrespectful words, when we get these tenches, contentious situations between us and our children, it's like the children is looking at us, they're treating us like they didn't even want us around. And that's what we see in here. But he goes ahead and he divides the property between them. And like I said, I struggle with that. But as I was researching this, I, there was a thought that, that, that was presented to me that kind of made sense. He says, maybe the father knew that the son was going to have to see for himself. And sometimes that's the best thing we can do as parents, as fathers. Sometimes we got to let them see for themselves. Because we can tell them, we can try to show them all we want, but sometimes the best lesson is for them to see for themselves. For whatever, whatever reason, he, he decides to divide his property. And you know the story. Y'all know the story? I'm asking you a question again. I need an answer. Do y'all know the story? Anybody doesn't know the story in here? Oh, yeah, y'all know the story. You know what happens. The younger son, he takes off and he goes out there and he goes to this far country, a far country. In other words, he goes away from what is known. He goes away from what, his, what he, he knows to be true, the way he's accustomed to. And he goes to this far country and he begins to live this, uh, the Bible calls it, this, 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 this wild life. Until one day it comes up and all the money is run out. All the favor has been extinguished. And he finds himself in a bad place. In such a bad place that he contemplates doing something that is just inconceivable. He takes a job. Somebody gives him a job, slopping the hogs, and he even got to a point where he thought about all oh, to eat what they eat. Now, 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 you know, here in this pristine sanctuary, that doesn't sound too bad. But if we put ourselves in a situation where this young man was a Jewish young man who's taking a job amongst the swine, which they did not eat, and then contemplating eating what they ate. That's bad off. 
That's in a, that's in a tough situation. But you know what happens. He, nobody gave him nothing. It, it, just, just add an insult to injury. The Bible says that no one gave him anything. And it was in that moment something happened. The Bible says he came to himself. And he sits there and he realizes that I'll be better off back at my father's place. Even the hired servants have more than I have right now. So he made up in his mind that he was going to get up from there and he was going to return home. Now we could stop right there and that'll be his lesson for somebody today and you can go home and apply that to your lives. And it will be a great blessing, but we're going to move on a little further because you see, as he went back, he had rehearsed in his mind what he was going to say to his father. But let's, the father, we, we, we concentrate on the father now. We're on the father. Look what happens next. The father comes back into the story. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. I'll be quite frank with you. Every time I read this, not so much anymore, but, 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 but still, it kind of gets to me. I remember years ago when I would read this, I would just cry uncontrollably because there was something about that first line. But, but while he was still a long way off, you, you know, again, we got to think about this. If he saw him a long way off, what does that mean? He was looking for him. He was expecting that one day that son would return home. I just can imagine how many days he must have prayed. He must have given sacrifices. He must have, he must have, he must have just prayed. He must have worshipped. He must have done everything because he knew that one day that son was going to come home. But then again, like, you know, I told you different layers to this story. Different layers. There's a new layer that I want to introduce to maybe some of you. Some of you might be familiar with this already. You see, you see, history tells us and, and th everything we tells us that this, this father, he lived in a village where there was a lot of people. Can you imagine this? In the village, they knew that the son had taken off and taken off with one third of the father's wealth. And, and they probably got rumored back. You know, somebody got on Facebook and told about it. Or somebody, you know, sent an Instagram picture. They're you know, saying, look, look, look what, look what he's doing out there. You see what he's doing? Look who he's hanging with. Oh, did y'all hear the latest? And he knew, he knew that if he came back home to these folks, what was going to happen? The folks was going to see him. And you have to understand that during this time, it wasn't just that they would come back and people would talk about them, but because they were so serious about the relationship between a father and a son and the respect that a father should give to a son and how this thing should have gone, people would have been upset with this young man. As a matter of fact, you know, some, some, some theologians say that he even was under the threat of being harmed when he came back into this village because they knew what he had done. And he had brought shame to the family. And some people there probably would have gone to the extreme to, be, to, to take action against this young man. But this, this, now this made a new meaning to me because, see, now when the father saw him a long way off, he ran to his son. He ran. So he met him before he got there. And the fact that he ran was even another thing because, you see, Running for this father, the father was an important man. The father had something to give. You know, he had wealth. He had something to divide up. And so for him to be running, for any Jewish man of any kind of stature during that time to run was called, was, was just really something that just was not thought of highly. Some people say that in this story, you don't see the gospel. You don't see God incarnate in the gospel, but they missed it because here it is right here 
right here. It happens so subtly, so fast, so, so, so under, the, under the radar that you might miss it. But here's the Father in all of His glory, pulling up His skirt or, 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 or his, his, his garments and running to His Son. That's the gospel right there because He was willing to come from His privileged place and humble Himself and run to meet His Son. And not only that, but the Bible goes on to say that he not only did that, but look what he said. Because the son, when he got there, you know, he, he threw his arms around him, he kissed him, and the son, you see it in the Bible, he went to, he went to saying that speech that he had rehearsed. He went to saying that, you know, he went to saying what he was going to tell him. In fact, let's, let's look at the Bible. Let's, let's find out exactly where it is. You know, verse 18, I get up to go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servant, of your hired hands. And then when the father saw him, was filled with compassion, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But then the father told his slaves, his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I wonder if anybody's had a homecoming like that in their own lives. I wonder if anybody amongst us have experienced that with one of your very own children. I wonder if anybody amongst us are waiting for that day when you see he, him or her turning away from there, turning back and coming home. That last part, he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I had you read verse one and two, one through three. You know, remember the context in which Jesus told this story. He told this story because he was around Pharisees and scribes who were complaining because he did what? What, what were they complaining about? He did what? I, I can't hear you. Yeah. That's why he told them his story in the first place. And in, he, he not only told this story, but he told two others. He told a story about a lost coin. He told a story about a lost sheep. And in every one of those stories, this last part, you receive replayed in each one. What was lost was found. So they began to celebrate. We're talking about the parable, the story of a prodigal father. We're talking about what the father in this story that Jesus told, how he responded, how he reacted. I don't know about you, but already, you know, I love to my children here, and, and they, blessed, they blessed me so much by agreeing to come. But as I, as I talk, thought about this story, and, and I, I got prepared for this message, I, 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 I reflected back on days and times when I didn't operate like the father, but thank God that God gives us another chance. You all blessed me by being here this morning. I love you. But let's not stop here. Let's not stop here. Jesus told this story to make several points. 
but surely one of them was to say something about the nature of God. People ask the question all the time, what is God like? Well, Jesus told it in the story. God is love, and he rejoices when sinners repent and turn to him. If somebody would ask, what must I do to be saved? Most of the time, we think you got to be good, but not in this story. In this story, Jesus is saying, you don't have to be good. You just got to know how to cry help. That's all you need to do. This is grace that we're seeing in this story. The Father is demonstrating grace. And I'm not talking about cheap grace. I'm not talking about grace that doesn't come at any cost. Because in the story, he doesn't talk about giving the son anything else. He welcomes him home. Because he, you know, what he did had consequences. Gordon McDonald says, you need not be a Christian to build houses, feed the hungry, or heal the sick. But the only thing that the world can't do, it cannot offer grace. Think about it in the context and all the news bites that we've had lately. What's one of the missing elements a lot of time in the stories that we hear? Grace. You know, the elder son comes into the picture. You know, the elder son had been out in the field. He had been there all the time. And the father was getting ready to throw this party for him, and he heard all this music and all this racket, and he called one of the other servants, and he asked him, what's going on around here? And he told him, you know, the father's throwing this party for your, son, for your brother. He's back home now, and, you know, he's celebrating. And he got angry about it. Even though the younger son had gone to a far country, and he was separate and alienated, this elder son was, st- was close by. He stayed home. But you know what? He was just as separated and alienated as his brother was. Because he was there a whole time, but yet he could not understand the love of the father. He could not understand the extravagant, extravagant love of his father. The father, the father responded to him because when he heard about it, he wouldn't even come in. He wouldn't even come. Just think about this. Party's going on. Father's killed the fattened calf. He's got all the servants in. He's called, you know, everybody, come in, come in. We're getting ready to have a party. And the older son wouldn't even go in. The father didn't beg the younger son to leave, not to leave. But he's so full of grace that the Bible says that he left the party and he went out and he pleaded with his son. Look at this next verse. So his father went out and pleaded with him. That's grace. That's grace like I don't know anything about, but I hope that God will show me and give me the power to extend it more and more and more and more because that's a grace that, that, that I just, it just doesn't make any sense. It's a grace that just, just seems to be wasteful. It's a grace that seems to just be overflowing. I don't, I, sometimes I've been, beneficiary, I've been beneficiary of that grace sometimes, and when you're a beneficiary, it helps you give it out to others. But that's some kind of grace right there. Anybody need grace like that? Anybody ever needed grace like that in your life? He pleaded with him. He pleaded with him. The elder son doesn't even address his father at all. He just says, listen. And he called his brother, your son. When Jesus told this story, the younger son squandered his wealth and wild living. But in the elder son's imagination, he even described it, he squandered it with prostitutes. 
But look at, my, look at the father again. The father says to him, even despite all of that reaction, the father says, my son, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because his brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This story of the prodigal father Jesus is highlighting the grace of God. But he not only highlights the grace of God, but he also highlights the need for grace to be practiced among each other. You see, grace has both its vertical and its horizontal dimensions. Yes, we receive grace, but you know why we receive it? We receive it so that we can give it to others. We receive it so that we can share it with others. You know, we think of this story as a prodigal son, and we, we usually, when we look at this story, we even talk, we're either talking about the younger son or the older son, because the fact of the matter is, both of us, both of them probably resembles us at some point in our lives. Amen? Some of us have stories like the younger son. Some of us have gotten hardened by, by looking at others around us and being disappointed and, and being, being just kind of fed up with them. And our hearts can become hard like the elder son. So we can be in one of those two t- categories. But Jesus told this story because he wanted us to see the grace of the Father. That prodigal, prodigal. You might have even reacted when I first said we're going to talk about the story of the prodigal father. And you said, that don't sound right. That's not right. Well, maybe we need to know the definition of what prodigal is. let's, Let's look at it. Prodigal, what does that word mean in the first place? Spending money or resources freely and recklessly. Wastefully extravagant. Having or giving something on a lavish scale. That's what prodigal means. And we oftentimes, we relate it to the son that went off because, yeah, he wasted his money on something crazy and silly. And yeah, 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 he spent all the money. But I'm saying, I'm suggesting this morning that the father, the father was prodigal as well because in his love for his children, both of them, he, he, he shared resources freely with them and recklessly, wastefully. You say wastefully? You know, sometimes we're looking at it, we say that's such a waste to love that child like that. I'm not talking about it in an irresponsible way. I'm not talking about spoiling them. I'm not talking about giving them what they don't, giving them stuff that they don't need and not going to use. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about love them through the tough moments in their lives. I'm talking about loving them when they mess up. I'm talking about loving them when when they don't talk right back. I'm talking about still finding it in ourselves to love them anyway. That's a prodigal kind of father, a prodigal kind of parent. And that is what our father is to us. He's prodigal because he doesn't stop giving. He gives and he gives and he gives even when we don't deserve it, even when we we haven't earned it. He still does it. Hasn't he done it in your life? Has he ever done it in your life? See, it's a prodigal father we're talking about right here. Giving it to us on a lavish scale. Yeah, I said it, a lavish scale to its overrunning. Some of us got so much stuff, so many blessings, that we can't even wrap our arms around it. It's just flowing out. And he does it so that we can share it with others, so that we can give it to others, that we can extend it to others. That's why I want you to leave here this morning thinking about the story of the prodigal father. Henry Nouwen, does that name ring a bell to anybody? 
a Catholic priest and a prolific writer, he, he saw this painting. And I know it doesn't show up real good on here, but it's a painting, it, it's, it's a picture of a painting by Rembrandt. It's called The Return of the Prodigal Son. And Henry Nouwen wrote a book that extended his reflection on the story. In that book, and the last chapter, the last chapter is titled, Becoming the Father. And that is the point of this parable. And this is what I want to leave you with here today. This is what I want you to think about here today. We, we always think about the other two sons. But, but now it suggests that we are called to become like the father. Let me read something from his writing. He says, Rembrandt, who showed me the father in utmost vulnerability, made me come to the awareness that my final vocation is indeed to become like the Father and to live out his divine compassion in my daily life. Though I am both the younger son and the elder son, hmm, though I am both the younger son and the elder son, I am not to remain them. Oh, that just speaks to me. I wish I had time to share it with you, but, you know, we don't have time, and you might not be interested in my, my personal journey. Oh, yeah, I was the younger son. And I'm looking around, and I see some smiles on some faces in there. Some of you were the younger son at one time in your life as well. And women, don't, don't, don't get all the gender messed up. I'm talking to you too. Anybody with me on that? Anybody? Just say hallelujah if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but now it says, I am both the younger son and the elder son. He said, well, how you do that? Oh, because, you know, when I got saved and then I came in and I returned home and God began to lavish that grace upon me and I began to understand what it does better to be in this house, to be out there in the streets. You know, I got a little full of myself. And even people around me, I began to think about why they won't act right. And I began, my heart began to get a little cold and I began to be like the elder son. And it happens in a whole another way when God starts using the one right in your very house. You know, we have two children here. We have another son that's not here. We had a chance to spend time with them yesterday. But see, that's our prodigal son right now. He's always ser serving time over in Calhoun State Prison. But you know what? We had a beautiful time together as a family. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's coming home one day. And nothing in me, nothing in me now will ever, ever, ever shower nothing but love on that boy. But there was a time. You get the picture. Now when it continues on. I, I, I left off with, though I am both the younger son and the elder son, I am not to remain them, but to become the father. He continues, why pay so much attention to the sons when it's the father who is the center and when it's the father with whom I am to identify? Why talk, why talk so much about being like the sons when the real question is this? The real question is this. Are we interested in becoming like the father? Are you interested in becoming like the father? See, with prodigal love, the father ran out and he ran out to meet us with open arms when we returned. With prodigal love, God pleads with us to come inside and join the celebration when our hearts are resentful. As recipients of his extravagant love, God calls us to be prodigal in our love and compassion to those around us. No matter if they're sisters and brothers who stray, no matter if they're, if they're sisters and brothers who never left, if God welcomes, loves, and celebrates over all of us, 
who are we to grumble or shut the door on somebody else? That picture. I told you this, this story has, has so many different contexts, so many different layers of meaning. And as Rembrandt painted that picture, you know, it, it's, it's conceivably kind of, you know, you have to look at it. You don't know who all is who. But you can tell that's, that's the prodigal kneeling. And that's the father with his, with his arms around him. And over on the far right of the picture, that's the, that's the son that stayed home. You can tell because he got the same robe as his father with his hands folded in that righteous position. The one with the hat on sitting down there. You know, as I did my research, they suggested he's probably a wealthy man, maybe part of the village, that, that, that heard about this son coming home, that had to come out and see for himself. There's another, there's another person standing back there by that door. You can barely see them. It's been suggested that maybe that's a servant, a hired hand. That's just been invited. And this is a bad, bad picture of it, but in the original, to the left behind the father, you see a shadowy figure. It's been said that that's the mother who's never mentioned, but undoubtedly probably was there, looking on at a prodigal father whose love drew their son back home. A proud, praying mother back in the shadows who's probably looking on with tears streaming down her face at an elder son probably praying profusely, I hope he gets it. I hope he sees. I hope he understands. If you know the story, you know the story ends with no resolution to the elder son. We don't know if he responds to the father's love. We don't know if he ever goes into the party and celebrates with his, with his brother. Jesus leaves it like that. And undoubtedly, the master storyteller leaves it like that for a reason. Because as we find ourselves in this story, whether it be the younger son or the eldest son or the father, Jesus in his masterful way, in his prodigal love for us, allows us to make a decision which way we will go. We end with just two questions. Worship team, y'all can make your way back up to close the service out. We got through way right before 12 o'clock. Yeah, all right, that's good. But I want to ask you two questions. First of all, are you taking notes? You might want to write these questions down. You might not have taken a note the entire time. I, mean, I just kind of came in and wanted to just share from my heart, share from the scripture. But these two I'd love for you to jot down. First one is this question. Are you interested in being like the Father? Are you interested in being like the Father? I know, I know, I know. Never thought about it like that, Derek. I always was so glad that I was no longer the younger son, and, and I'm trying to fight off being like the elder son, but the Father, yes. Yes, are you interested in being like the Father? And I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer to the question. 
Yes. Because as recipients of the Father's prodigal love, how can we do anything else? How can we do anything else? Father, I thank you for this time and this space. I thank you for this day in which we celebrate fathers. Lord, I thank you for this word that you have sown into our hearts and revealed to us your way. Your way of being a good, good father. I pray now, Lord, for every heart, every soul that's here this morning, that as we prayed at the beginning, that not only will they hear your word, but they will have the courage to do what it is you're prodding them to do right now in the name of Jesus with your word. There are some amongst us, Lord. They never got past the part about the younger son because even though they've heard the story before, it came to them fresh and new. And they know, they know they've been out there in the far country. They might not have announced it, but they've gone out there. And yes, we look good this morning and we straighten up and we're watching the clock, hoping that, hey, we in real quick because I got to get out of here. But Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus that if there's one like that this morning, here this morning, they would take this opportunity this morning to come on back home. Just to say, help me, Lord. Help me. And they would just turn and start back in this direction. And Lord, we know that you are faithful and just, and you will meet them right where they are. Father, we pray for those who have been around. They've been walking with you for a while, but because of disappointments, because of frustrations, because of resentments, because of unfulfilled prayers, because of unrealistic expectations, because of people who have hurt them, people who have harmed them, because of the pain that maybe even been felt in this very church, the heart has gotten a little cold. They find themselves finding fault in everybody but themselves. Father, I pray that your prodigal love will soften those hearts. And for all of us, Lord, for all of us, Lord, we want to move from the younger to the elders, and we want to become more like you because you've blessed us so richly. This is our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.